Hello, hello, and welcome to the first episode of The Few, Football Every Week. My name is Ryan Curley. My name is Jackson Strickland, and we're your co-hosts. And so this is going to be a college football podcast ran by actual college students. We are both freshmen at the University of Georgia. Go dogs, baby. So if you think our opinion is going to be SEC biased, you might be a little right. We're going to try our best to make it, uh, make it as fair, as equal, as unbiased as we can, but... You know, we're always going to root for our dogs during the games. But I think you'll see through our predictions that we're not, we're not totally biased. And, you know, we understand in reality, like, who the best teams are. And yeah, for sure. What the projections sure. of the seasons are. So I think first we want to we start out by talking about the Florida-Miami game and what happened there. Definitely. And some of the drama between Jaron Williams and Tate Martell. So uh, what, what did you see out of Jaron Williams? Well, of course, like, we can't expect for him to come out looking like a Trevor Lawrence because he's just not going to look that that complete, that uh, that ready yet for college for the big stage, um, especially with just being named the starter over Tate Martell. Um, so he definitely had all those first-game jitters that the whole team had. I mean, there were mistakes on both sides of the ball, uh, both teams, offense, defense, and special teams, of course. And, um, you know, we saw a lot of those mistakes and penalties, we saw both O-lines uh, just get crushed throughout the game. Ten sacks from Florida. Like, what do you think about that? Like, I just, it, Honestly, it didn't give – Miami's offensive line didn't give uh, the first-time starter, Jaron Williams, much of a chance there, especially against an SEC defense where, you know, they're going to come after you. They're, they're much a four- and five-star defensive lineman. Ten sacks. And, um, you know, obviously the week before the game, when they announced that Tate Martell wasn't going to be started, it was going to be Jaron Williams, I was shocked at first because, you know, I had been following Tate Martell. I thought, you know, he had that, that energy that reminded me of Baker Mayfield and Johnny Manziel, but obviously there was a downfall to that as well. I definitely saw that energy too because he also has the same cockiness that yeah, he does. Manziel and Baker have. And, uh, you know, some some of the stuff that got them in trouble seems like he could be following that path, especially with his – his tweets directed at Justin Fields and others. Yeah, and he was doing that back when he was in high school. I don't know, like, if you guys watched uh, QB1 Behind the Lights, it's Behind the Lights, I think that's what it's called. And that's on, it's on Netflix. You know, he was one of the quarterbacks in season one along with Jake Fromm and Tavon Bowers. And they would show, he would have people get on his Twitter in the middle of games he was playing and tweet stuff out at halftime or during the game. You know, he would be targeting people he didn't like. Or one time he targeted the state of Texas in the middle of a game. And so... You know, there's always there was controversy with him, even though being in high school, you know, committed to Washington, decommitted, and then of course committed to Texas A and M, decommitted, and that's why the state of Texas hates him because right, of the, all right. the, that's why the drama's there. And then going to Ohio State, losing the job to Dwayne Haskins, um, Justin Fields transfers, and Tate Martell tweets and calls him out, and then not too long after that, Tate Martell <laughs> skips town for Miami. Absolutely. And everyone thought, man, you know, Miami's going to be pretty good. They got Tate Martell, but obviously, you know, he didn't even get the start. And they and then they're going to move him to slot receiver, and we didn't see much of anything out of that. But I think, you know, losing to a preseason top 10 team, not saying that Florida is actually top 10, but we, we haven't seen the rest of the field yet. It's going to take a couple weeks so who to knows? understand. We'll know by week three or four probably, like, exactly who we think. But losing by four points, um, just down to a bad snap at the end, and Florida, you know, we could say they got lucky. We can say that they played harder throughout the game, especially on defense, um, coming down on Jaron Williams. But the fact that he still got over 200 yards out, he didn't throw an interception. Um, can't say the same for Felipe, Felipe Franks that went out there and threw two. Um, but just a new coaching staff at Miami, I, I definitely respect what they did during that game, and they impressed me. Honestly, yeah, and looking looking at the at the floor at the Florida side of things, you know, a lot of people this year are saying this this is the year Florida is going to overtake Georgia. Florida is going to take the East back, and I just I look at this team, you know, of course it was Week One and they look sloppy and everything, but I look at this team, I look at Dan Mullen, and I just I don't understand. That's a bold take to say that Florida is going to go in and take over the East and go to the SEC championship instead of Georgia. I mean, I just don't think Felipe Franks is built for that. I don't think he's the guy that's going to take them there. I think he was very sloppy. You know, honestly, he's a poor man's Ben Roethlisberger. He's big. He's hard to sack. He can get out of the pocket sometimes, but he's not accurate all the time. He doesn't make the best decisions, you know. And But someone I think that needed to be more involved in that game, who was early on, is number one, 
Kadarius Tony, and he's listed as a wide receiver, but truly he's he's just an offensive athlete. He Absolutely. was the most impressive player in that whole game to me in his minimal touches. He was he was electric. He took a screen pass sixty six yards for a touchdown. And um Kadarius Tony's a guy I'm watching next April during the NFL draft as a steal in probably the third or fourth round. Might even go uh, sooner than that, depending on how this season goes. But um, with all that sloppiness, I think it just excites me to see like how great both of these teams might actually be once that uh, clears up. You know, with a new offense, a uh, new uh, coaching staff from Miami, um, new quarterback coming in there. You know, when they stop making easy mistakes that you know most teams make in a first game, but fourteen penalties that added up. Without those penalties, you know, if that get cleared up in the off season by of Manny Diaz and, and the rest of the coaching staff and just prepared them a little bit better. I think they had this game. I think they get put more on uh, in the spotlight, um, especially the fact that they could be playing Clemson in the ACC championship in just a couple months, you know. And um, not that Miami's going to go on to have a star season or anything, but, you know, the U's not back. But they can, they can impress us, especially when they start playing um, – Start playing better, you know. It's just simple. Play better and don't make easy mistakes. Don't give up all those yards on penalties. And I remember we were watching that game together, and you were talking about the turnover chain. How you weren't a big fan of that? No. You it was kind of, and they were doing something. They were doing like turnover. They've got the like, turnover rings now, rings or the touchdown rings. Um, I yeah, think no, they still have the turnover chain, but also on offense now, it's like a touchdown. It was almost like they, a band on, on your... And when they asked it. Coach Diaz after the game, they said, well, if there was a pick six, would they get the chain and the rings? And he said yes. And he actually also said that that should have happened twice in that game. You know, both of those touchdowns could have been run back. I mean, both of those interceptions could have been run back for uh, touchdowns. And uh, that definitely would have been inter- interesting to see Florida losing by 10 to, like, such a new team, such a an underdog going into that game. You know, no one I don't think anyone really expected this to be a four point game, to be a one possession lead like at no, the No, a lot of people thought Florida was gonna pull away early on. I, watching the game, you know, the first couple drives and everything, I was like, okay, Florida has this. But Miami was leading for the majority of the game. Florida didn't take over till later on. And honestly Felipe Franks was pretty clutch. He had that a rushing t- a rushing touchdown towards the end of the game made a couple throws. You know, he's not the worst quarterback in the world. He got the job done. But I think this is a weaker Miami team than they have had in the past, maybe a couple years ago when they were pretty good. Um, and But honestly, I think Florida, at the moment, that number eight, you know, we can't gauge that yet. I think I think they'll end up dropping a couple games, and obviously their ranking will drop down. I just don't know if Florida's going to be a top-ten team. I know it's a hot take to predict that they're going to – possibly win out and win the SEC East, but I just have trouble seeing that. Right, right. Well, I think we're going to transition over to some predictions for the rest of the season. Yes. Um, I think we're going to start off with our playoff predictions. Okay. So, so, Ryan, please share with us who you have going to the playoff. I have number one, Alabama, versus number four, Georgia, and I have number two, Clemson, versus number three, Oklahoma. And my reason here is I think all four of these teams are going to go undefeated in the regular season. They're going to win all 12 games. Um, I just can't – I don't see any of them losing their games. I think Clemson's going to blow through their schedule. I think Alabama, for the most part, is going to blow through their schedule. I think Georgia's going to struggle a little bit, but they're going to clutch out some wins. And I think Oklahoma is far and away the best team in – in the Big 12, I don't think Texas is back yet. No, Texas. You know, Sam Ellinger back. at the end of the Sugar Bowl may have said we're back, but I just can't. <laughs> I don't agree with it. I think Jalen Hurts, you know, he's been preparing for this. He wants his moment back. I think Oklahoma will be back there with a the new quarterback, and um, it's just hard to see them not back. You know, with it's hard, uh, yeah. with Lincoln Riley and what he does, exactly. and just and just the hype from Murray and from Mayfield in the past couple of years. Uh, you know, just knowing that he's going to go in there and control that offense. And he's, um, he's got one of the best wide receivers in college football in C.D. Lamb. He's got an underrated running back in Kennedy Brooks that's going to take some of the pressure off of him. And uh, But I think Georgia and Alabama will both be undefeated when they get to the SEC championship. Alabama is going to win in another close one. But I think the committee, the committee looking at a, former, a one-loss undefeated to an Alabama is not going to 
drop George out of the top four like they did last year. I think they realized that that was a mistake last year. It's going to be, it's gonna gonna be fun to in. see who's left out this year. There's, uh, there's someone yeah. every year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, your, your top four isn't, isn't too dissimilar to mine. Uh, we both have Alabama and Georgia. But I have Clemson at number one, so they'll be playing Georgia. Yeah. And then Alabama playing undefeated Washington. Okay, yeah. okay. Okay, so we, we hear all this Utah talk. You know, it's come in the past yeah, couple of weeks. we've been talking about that a lot, and we're just not on the hype train for Utah. I don't think either of us are, are Utah. I mean, go Utes, maybe. But um, they're a, what, six-and-a-half-point favorite over BYU, BYU and then this BYU's Saturday? not even a, that strong of a team, so. <laughs> My hot take we're is. All, uh, we're going to be watching that game. Let's go Cougars, sure. you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see this whole Utah hype train just be shut down week one. Um, it'd be beautiful. But I think Jacob Eason, um, even without Georgia bias, I think Jacob Eason has just been sitting um, sitting there for a year waiting under uh, under Browning and, and Coach Peterson, and he's just going to go in there and not have an outstanding season, but it's going to be enough for Pac-12 standards. You know, I mean, it's yeah. not... The Pac-12 is weaker than it was, so right. they're gonna they're gonna blow through the Pac-12. They might str- towards the end they do have to play within a month of each other. They do have to play Utah. They have to play Oregon, and they have to play um, Washington State. But I just think Washington overall is a better team than all those. And I agree with you, but I think they're gonna drop one of those games. And I don't think they're gonna make it to playoff. They'll be on the outside looking in in the it's five possible. to seven range. It's possible, but like I've said. Peterson, he's been there before. He's been on this stage. Yeah, they made it to the playoff before. I think I think he's got what it takes to come back and and maybe versus Alabama he can show what their team is really worth and and only lose by two touchdowns this time yeah. instead of three. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so yeah, my they, cha- got, they got spanked by Alabama. My championship, <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, would be a uh, would be Clemson reigning over Alabama. Um, for the seventeenth year in a row of Clemson Alabama <laughs> matchup, and uh, maybe maybe one day soon, uh, especially if Fromm stays for his senior year, I think we could see Georgia get in there. But against an experienced Clemson with a solid Trevor Lawrence and receivers like Justin Ross, T. Higgins, yeah. and then Travis Etienne, just watching that man run, um, I I can't see Georgia. Uh, stopping them, I don't think, just on defense. Yeah, well, my, my prediction is not quite the same as yours. I have Georgia beating Alabama in the semifinal, getting revenge on the loss from a couple of weeks prior to that. I, I just don't think – I think these two teams are are so similar that I don't – I think the same one's not going to win twice. I think whoever win, wins the SEC championship will end up losing – if there is a second matchup, I think it'll be flip flopped. Right. It's so just I like, think I think Alabama's gonna get the better than the first time. Georgia's gonna regroup and win. And then I have Clemson over Oklahoma. So that leaves Clemson versus Georgia. And sadly, I have to say, I think Trevor Lawrence, I think the receiving core, ETN, that offense is too much. They're gonna reload on defense. Xavier you know. Thomas, he's gonna He's going to lead that very well, just like uh, the rest of the Power Rangers did yeah. <laughs> the past couple of years. Just watching that has been so much fun, uh, especially with me being able to go to so many of those Clemson games. And like you said, with uh, Clemson playing Oklahoma, that's not a new matchup. No. Uh, if you not. remember the Orange Bowl a couple of years back, uh, I was actually at that game watching uh, Deshaun Watson just outplay Baker Mayfield, um, watching those two star offenses just, just head up. It was, a, it was a great game, and that was even – Clemson was missing a couple players. Uh, yeah. I remember missing Deion Kane because I got to meet him that week. Um, but then he got sent home due to you know drug possession and yeah. such. And yeah. So just, I think without without big injuries, you know, knock on wood, and without um, players getting suspended or or choosing not to play, um, I could definitely see Clemson winning again. As much as I hate to say it, even as a a former Tigers fan and a, and a present Tigers fan. Um, but as a dog and as somebody who just likes underdogs and likes changes, uh, it's it's sometimes hard to see that the top two are just going to keep going back and back every single year. Yeah, I, I think uh, Trevor Lawrence is the best offensive player in college football. Um, he's, he's ridiculous. He's so skilled. Uh, as a freshman, you know, he played amazing in the time he played, and he steamrolled Alabama. You know, he picked, he picked apart the best defense in college football. 
like it was nothing I in think, the championship game. I think he doesn't just get quite enough credit for that. I mean, I know that he gets praised, but, I mean, but also he's just, he's I almost so feel calm. like there should be more. He drops back, and he just puts it you know, perfectly. When he played in that really first nonchalant. spring game in Death Valley, watching him and Kelly Bryant switch um, every couple series, it was just... It was just so obvious to me that that Bryant wasn't going to keep that that starter job, and that when they named it to be both of them and go back and forth, I knew that eventually Lawrence would would take the job. I didn't know that Kelly Bryant was going to transfer, especially not to Missouri of all places. Yeah, and you know that back and forth quarterback thing that doesn't it doesn't work. It for hasn't me. worked you know, for anyone. Auburn a few years. years ago tried to do that with Sean White and Jeremy Johnson, and that was. That just went. That was a train wreck. Well, it then didn't you even work. got Alabama. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, just... there's guys transfer a reason. Look at Justin Fields and Jacob Eason. You know, they didn't win the job. Guys are going to transfer. You know, you can't, but you can't be switching your quarterback back and forth between every drive. I understand if one quarter you come out with a new quarterback and try it for a drive or two, but you can't just let them have one drive. They're not going to. That's what know. I respect about Miami uh, this past weekend, um, where they put Tate Martell in. But they didn't play him as a quarterback, you know, especially first or second quarter when Jaron Williams is going to have a couple of those, you know, just scared mistakes early on. He's going to not learn how to scramble right away and, and get out of the pocket when he needs to or throw it away. He just uh, let himself get sacked many times when he could have could have avoided that. Um, but, you know, they stuck on and they stuck with him. And I think it paid out a four point loss. Like I said, it really could have been a lot worse for Miami. And I think more teams need to find that starter and stay with the starter yeah. rather than, you know, having that quarterback out on the field, looking over their shoulder every play, worrying about the bench and who's going to come up next rather than worrying about the play they're currently in. Yeah. So we both have Clemson winning the championship just over two different opponents, right, both SEC right. opponents. You're predicting Clemson versus Alabama again. With that, I'm going to ask you, do you think – the dynasties in Clemson versus Alabama over and over. Do you think that's good or bad for college football? I think it should motivate other teams a little bit more. But overall, for the viewers and for our sake as watching, um, it definitely gets a little bit less intriguing every year because it's just like, oh, not this again. But at the same time, I mean, their viewer ratings and just keep going and up. And it's also every year it's well. different quarterbacks. I mean, it was Deshaun Watson before. It is. It is. You know, Jake Coker for Alabama back then. Now, you know, it's it's Tua and Trevor Lawrence, the two best quarterbacks in college football. So obviously, if they do get to match up one way or another in the playoff this year, whether it be through a semifinal game or a championship game, you know, I'd love to watch that again. I'd love to watch the rematch. I think it'd be a closer game. I don't think Clemson would steamroll them again. I think it'd be but a lot also, closer. But also, no one expected that last year. No so really, who knows, you know? No one really knows. That's <laughs> why everyone's a bunch. Everyone's just predicting. But I think if they do match up again, I think it's going to be a lot. I think Clemson would win, but I think it'd be a lot closer. And Alabama wouldn't let themselves get blown out again. Historically, I mean, these are two of the greatest teams that college football's ever seen. With Trevor Lawrence... You know, doing what he did his freshman year, it's going to be great to see what he can do the next two seasons and possibly stay his senior year because we know how good Dabo Swinney is about getting his players to stay for that fourth year, stay for their last year. Yeah, yeah. Instead for of sure. going for the draft early. Yeah. Um, As you saw with a bunch of the defensive linemen who stayed. Absolutely. Some of them stayed back for the other ones because they all want to go to the draft together. Um, that's good to see, you know, like the bond and the – the camaraderie and that's that something you Nick get. Saban doesn't have quite as much. As great of a recruiter, yeah. coach as he is, um, he doesn't really have those stay for their senior year quite as much as, say, Dabo Sweeney and others. And, you know, part of the, the deal you're getting into when you go to Alabama, you know, a lot of those kids go, one, because they want to win and get coached by Nick Saban, but two, that's an easy path to the NFL. If you're a superstar in high school going to Alabama, you're going to get noticed, you're going to get recognized. You know, you're even if you have to sit for a year or two. By the time you're a junior or senior, you've had so much experience with Saban. You're gonna, you're probably gonna end up being an NFL prospect, and that's why kids go there. You know, they, that and winning championships. Um, but I do understand where you're coming from with maybe Dabo having a closer relationship with some of his players and like more community bond versus just a kind of like a plug and play situation that could be happening in Alabama. Obviously, they're successful with it, whatever it is. Um, I'm sure we don't see a lot of what Nick Saban does as far right, as that. Right. I and remember, they're probably a lot closer, but they're not necessarily public about it. Right. And I remember, like, like obviously, Dabo is just better with the media. 
he's he's more friendly, I think. Um, but I remember, like, uh, I believe it was two or three summers ago, and it was a, a video from uh, one of the Alabama players on Instagram or Snapchat, and it was them, like, stuck out on a boat on the lake with Nick Saban because they ran out of gas or something. Uh-huh. But just knowing that, like, Saban, like, you know, something seems like Dabo would do is take his players out in the lake yeah. on a boat and enjoy the day, like, tubing and such. And so uh, so I think there's a lot behind the scenes that we don't see from Saban. But overall, I think I think Dabo is better at that relationship. He's better at at that brotherhood, and um, he just brings a different vibe to college football that I extremely respect. Um, and I think Curry Smart here at Georgia is just is just somewhere in between um, in that relationship sense. But he's he's getting there on the coaching experience. Yeah, he's 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 recreating what Saban's done with Alabama right, right. here here at UGA. And uh, you know Lincoln Riley, you know he's kind of doing the same thing over Oklahoma. They're creating, they're all creating little dynasties, and they're fighting for the top. It's just a matter of who's going to dethrone Clemson and Alabama within the next couple of years, because um, it's it's been all them the last three or four years. And I think that's a lot of the hype of Utah this year. They think it's, it's just they're the dark horse to make it in. It's their dark horse, but also it's just so many people. They want to be optimistic, you know. They want to, they want to see someone new so bad that they're going to try to convince themselves that. Like, hey, like, Utah, they're coming in. Pac-12's weak. Like, they got it all. But, I mean, playing teams like like Washington, coached by Peterson, yeah. playing playing Washington State, and um, I just – I don't see it happening, personally. I see these same dynasties arising back and possibly, uh, possibly Washington making it back in. And then you have Oklahoma, who's also been there before. So, I mean, yeah. when when will we see someone that hasn't made it to the college football playoff yet? It's well, yeah, a lot of them are repeats, you know. Uh, when's the last time? I don't know. Michigan State made it a few years back. Oregon's made it once. Florida State made it that original time. Washington made it once. There's not a lot of different teams. I don't think Notre Dame's going to make it in again. No. I, don't, I think, I that's think kind Notre of fl- Dame gets shut down yeah. pretty easy uh, September 21st. Yeah, not to be biased or anything, but um, <laughs> it's going to be a tough – it's going to be a fun night in Athens. Um, the first time Notre Dame's – Fighting Irish or, or visiting Athens, you know we've only played twice in history, I believe that yeah, the championship, that and Sugar Bowl, and then uh, and then Fromm's first back. start. So yeah. Fromm's coming in this game, um, knowing what Saying, the Fighting hey, Irish play like. I beat you like. there, I'll beat you here. Kind exactly, of thing. you know, and that that game before when when Fromm first played, you know, Jacob Eason got taken out from injury. Uh, Kirby Smart was walking off the field with him, and and I was at that game, and I was thinking, gosh, this might be it for Georgia season right there. You know that was in the first quarter, maybe second quarter, and it was a it was a huge shock to come f- to see Fromm come in, and then his very next game beat Notre Dame, who just um, yeah, it was almost like a Georgia home game. It was. I, I think the was crowd so was forty red. or fifty percent. I heard there was so much red there, and it was just so loud. Yeah, and you know something to note with both of our top four predictions for the preseason is we both left out the Big Ten. We did, we did, and yeah. I don't, I don't see that as. Uh, I, dis- I don't see that as a, uh, a mistake at I don't all. think it's a problem either. I don't – I am not on the Michigan hype train with Shea Patterson. He, you know, he was the number one recruit coming out of his class back – I want to say it was the class of 2016. It was it – Or was 2015. Something. It was one of those, yes. Um, um. But he was the number one recruit uh, ranked up there with – I think it was Jacob Eason he came out with, right? So he was up there. Him and Eason were one and two. Um and I just I don't know I just can't I can't get behind Michigan, I and think I think Harbaugh, there's gonna be yeah yeah Jim, Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh's the most overrated. We both man believe he is Earth. overrated. Is he has not beaten Ohio State yet? I don't think he's gonna beat Ohio State this year. I'd love to see Justin Fields go in there, uh, with Ryan Day as is uh, their brand new coach and just destroy Jim Harbaugh and yeah, make exactly. him uh, just make him lose that game again. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch. But uh, And then as far as Ohio State goes, I think they're going to drop a game at some point during the season. I don't think Justin Fields is going to come in ready. Um, you know, I just don't see him having that killer mindset and coming in there and taking them to an undefeated season. You know, they, they could lose to – someone I see them possibly losing to is at Nebraska, an upset game, September 28th. I think Scott, you know, Frost, Nebraska, Scott gonna... Frost. That would be his, like – first signature win with a Heisman dark horse and Adrian Martinez at quarterback. A lot of people believe in Nebraska this year. I think that's a game that Ohio State could lose. I could see it happening. And But 
with talking about the Big Ten, what do you think about the strength of the conference itself? You know, they have seven preseason top the, Yeah, they had the most. They had the All most. the way from Ohio State at five to Nebraska at 24, you know, and coming off not such a great year. But uh, a disappointing season to definitely to definitely put in the words. Um, I think overall, it's not. I personally don't think it's the strongest conference. Obviously, they do have the most ranked teams, but I mean, if you look at it, a bunch of those teams are going to end up going like eight and four. You know, like a a Wisconsin or an Iowa, a team that's always going to go eight and four or nine and three or seven and five. I don't think Penn State. You know. Trace McSorley's gone, right? Trey uh, Sanders is gone. They just lost their quarterback running back right. duo. You know, they have to regroup. Tommy Stevens, who was supposed to be their backup quarterback and uh, take over, he transferred to Mississippi State. So, they, you know, they. I just don't see them being super good this year. Obviously, ranked 15. Um, I don't think they're going to be ranked 15 for long. They're going to eventually so lose. I think there's a lot of self destruction that always happens in the Big Ten. You can have such a dominant team. But when you have two or three quality wins and then such a terrible loss, uh, like Ohio State has done uh, pretty recently, um, it just it just doesn't show well. And then when they do make it to the playoff and then they lose thirty-one to zero to Clemson, you know it's yeah. just uh, it's just not that fun to watch. Honestly, I mean we want to see the close games. Even as a, uh, a a Clemson fan a couple years ago, I I didn't want to see a thirty-one to zero win. I want to see a a hard matchup like Bama or like uh, you know Oklahoma Clemson a couple yeah, years yeah. back. It was just someone that no nobody's talking about in the Big Ten is Michigan State, ranked at eighteen. You know they're they're in the preseason. They've been in Michigan's shadow when it comes to talks. Look for them to beat Michigan in at their home stadium. You know that that's going to be at Michigan. I just in Ann Arbor, and I I think that Michigan State's going to surprise some people this year. Um, I don't know if they'll necessarily win the conference, but I could see them taking down Michigan at some point when they when they play. They'll they'll definitely have a new team coming in and just and just seeing how those Spartans play. Um, I haven't watched them too much in the past, but I I wouldn't mind them it's having a, a good it's a season. Tough, gritty team. I haven't. I wouldn't mind them having a good season. Yeah, I just think that's the forgotten team in the Big Ten this year. You know, Iowa, Wisconsin. Everyone knows they're they're going to be you know a little bit above average with a strong defense and a tough running game. Iowa could be could be a season uh, a season breaker for some teams this year. Nate Stanley coming back for his fifth year as a senior at quarterback. You know, I could see him. You know, kind of ruining some people's seasons, maybe upsetting a, a big team, but uh, like a Michigan, you know, Iowa, I could see that, but um, I just I don't think the Big Ten's as strong as it is on the surface level. I I think once you look in deeper, they're just they're they're solid throughout, but I don't see them being at the top. I don't see Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. They're not a top. They're well, not I mean, in the top four. And it start it starts with recruiting, and then just player. Uh player production and just and just letting those players get better under great coaching and I think under all the Urban Meyer stress last year um, with with everything that went along with that it, it seemed a lot ba- a lot like Baylor a couple years ago when they just lost all talent and I don't want to see that happen when uh you know you hate to see that happen when coaches you know just don't get their way and it just it doesn't go like like you want it to, but um, with Ohio State having all that, with Jim Harbaugh just not being able to coach, and um, I just I don't see any great star athletes coming out of the Big Ten um, compared to what you have in the SEC and what you have in Trevor Lawrence and a couple of other Clemson players, um, which is why you know getting into Heisman predictions. So do you, yeah, you want to start with some of yours? Yeah, so. Um, I I have to go with Tua. I think Tua, you know, last year he threw for almost four thousand yards, forty three touchdowns versus six interceptions. He he was incredible last year throughout the whole season. I, you know, I know Trevor Lawrence is a popular pick, and I do think Trevor Lawrence is the better quarterback. But I think Tua is going to put up better stats. Tua has the better wide receiving core slightly, with Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle, you know, Devontae Smith. You know that's a that's a scary receiving core for defensive backs to go up against. And I think Tua, he's just gonna have a field day against some of these teams. Even in the SEC, he's gonna have a field day dropping back and throwing to these guys. Jerry Judy, a lot of people see him as the number one NFL prospect at wide receiver. 
And, you know, he is. He's up there. So, you know, look for him to possibly be a Heisman finalist, too, if he has insane stats. Um, but I just think Tua Tagovailoa, you know, he, he's good. He's going to be hungry. You know, they lost to Clemson last year. He's, he's going to want redemption. And, he, you know, he lost the Heisman race to Kyler Murray. And I, I just think he's the winner this year. Well, well speaking of that loss to, uh, to Clemson, that uh, gives a good transition to my Heisman prediction, which actually is Trevor Lawrence. Um, putting up almost 350 passing yards with three touchdowns and no interceptions against Alabama. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, I can't remember a team to beat Alabama like that and you know as long as I've been watching college football um in the past four or five seasons I mean Ole Miss had a couple wins uh I remember Johnny Manziel that was the first time I remember Alabama losing is when Johnny Manziel took them down his freshman year when he won the Heisman right but you, you know you can't recall a lot of times that Alabama loses especially not in that fashion you're right and I agree I I think Trevor Lawrence is the best player in college football I just think to a statistically will end up having a better season and that'll end up winning the Heisman Trophy, you know. And then he'll have his pressure taken off of him by Najee Harris, um, and some of the other running backs. Alabama actually lost their number one recruit. His name has slipped my mind, but he came from IMG Academy, their five star running back. He tore his ACL a couple weeks ago. That's right. So, Alabama's had some uh, some injuries lately. Was yeah, Dylan, Dylan Moses. Moses. So, you know, Man. that's tough. They're going to have two freshmen at middle linebacker. I still believe in Alabama's plug-and-play with all these NFL stars, you know, to go undefeated in the regular season and win the SEC championship. But um, I just think two is so good, and he's – He's going to be rested up. He's going to be healthy. He doesn't have to look over his shoulder to see if Jalen Hurts is going to take some snaps from him. You know, it's his team now, and he knows that. And I think he's going to have the confidence and the skills and all of the players around him to win the Heisman. I could I could see that happening. You know, it's, uh, it's going to be a great race between Trevor Lawrence coming in here with with the experience he has. It's, it's just starting sophomore season and uh, and not even having an interception in his last five games. You know, and that's just as as freshman year, and just how how calm he can play into a game. But uh, we've spoke a lot about Trevor Lawrence, so uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's go into uh, who well, else we might have winning the Heisman. I think Jonathan Taylor at the end of the year okay. is going to be thrown in that conversation. He's ran for over four thousand yards in his first two years, right? More than two thousand both times. If they give him the same amount of touches, he's going to do it again. And if Wisconsin maybe upsets a couple teams, then that's going to look good for Jonathan Taylor. I think he'll be in the conversation. I just don't think he'll win it. It is becoming a quarterback award. But Jonathan Taylor, obviously, he's going to have the productions there. He'll be thrown in the argument. And then, you know, Jalen Hurts, watch him ball out at, o- at Oklahoma. You know, obviously the system's there for quarterbacks to, to do well. Look at who the last two Heisman winners are. Jalen Hurts is not too much of a drop-off from them. I think he's going to put up ridiculous numbers um but not good enough to beat a trevor lawrence or to a tag of i think it was a smart transfer for him and uh just a place that he'll fit in well and i'm I'm excited to see that um i don't think he'll prevail over trevor or Tua. um and also like my third uh prediction is also a quarterback like you said yeah uh, we got kellen mond in here and i love that pick i'm jealous that you picked he's, that he's gonna have some some really he's tough games. Have, he's going to have opportunities A&M, to shine. And it might have the hardest schedule. And as we're as we're doing this podcast right now, we're actually watching the Texas A&M LSU game from Just last year. Just to hype year. us up a little bit. Just to hype us up. You know, watching this seventh overtime uh, right now, you know, LSU is leading by, <laughs> by six. LSU was leading by six. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I I was thinking that a little bit, and you wrote that down. I saw that. I was like, man, I, I love Kellen Mond. I think he's good. You know, Texas A&M can be a season wrecker this year. Right. At Georgia, at Clemson. Are they playing at Alabama as well? Or is no, that, is I, that at they, home? I believe they host Alabama, which will be a great matchup They're playing, to watch. So those are three teams that we both predicted to be in the playoff. Right. They, they right. have the opportunity to beat any of those three teams. Will they? I don't think so. Can they? Yes. They can they're, be they're a very huge good. home record Kellen Mond season. is athletic. Jimbo Fisher has recruited the hell out of Texas and around Texas A&M, watch out. You know, that's a dark horse playoff team if Texas A&M has it right. I don't think that's the case. I think maybe next year 
Texas but when they don't have that tough schedule, Texas A&M maybe next year is a playoff contender. If there's any way they can come in as an underdog and knock two of those three, you know, we talked about Clemson, Bama, oh, yeah. and Georgia. If they knock two of those three. They're going to beat everybody else, too. They also have LSU to worry about and um, Auburn. I mean, their schedule is ridiculous. That, that SEC West, um, SEC in general, um, not saying SEC bias, but, I mean, just look at these teams right now. Uh, just listen to this conversation. I mean, it's hard not to see. It's hard not to talk. When four out of the top ten teams preseason were in the SEC. Right. And then Texas A&M at 12 right after that. Which is funny because now I bring up my dark horse candidate for Heisman, and it's actually Jacob Eason, former SEC quarterback, um, now with the Washington Huskies. Uh, we've we've seen what Chris Patterson can do. Chris Peterson. Chris Peterson, <laughs> excuse me, can do with quarterbacks, with Jake Browning, you know, the athlete that he was. Um and now Jacob Eason is is ready. He's been waiting um, since his transfer from Georgia, losing the battle to to Jake Fromm, um, such an athlete here as well. But I think Eason, you know, they have the they have the possibility in the Pac-12 to go undefeated. Yeah, I just I personally don't agree with you there. I don't think he's going to have the season to be a Heisman candidate. Um, obviously, I think he's going to be successful and and bring Washington to a Pac-12 championship. But I don't, I don't know if he's going to have that extra push. Uh, a couple names I'll throw out there is some dark horses. Um, Khalil Tate, quarterback, or should I say quarterback slash running back for, for Arizona. Um, it's a poor man's kind of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he's not quite day. Lamar Jackson, but he's got, you know, he's got talent. You know, I'm he looking at his tr- stats against Hawaii. He's a true athlete. You know, obviously they lost to Hawaii, and those loss, the loss columns are going to hurt him in the Heisman race, you know, showing that he – that he can't bring them wins, but they're going to be an average team. But, I mean, he, you know, 361 yards and three touchdowns through the air, 108 yards on the ground. That's ridiculous. You know? And that 108 yards rushing, that actually puts Khalil Tate as the leading rusher in college football through week zero. <laughs> through, through four teams, a quarterback from Arizona is the leading rusher. And I think – Give it two more days. I, give it two more days. <laughs> give it two more days and uh, DeAndre Swift come out here. Oh, we'll, uh, Another name to be thrown out there, you know, I, I don't know. It's tough for a Georgia running back to win the Heisman, especially just the the pro style that UGA runs. Uh, DeAndre Swift is skilled. If they if DeAndre Swift gets the touches, if any UGA running back gets the touches, I think they'll be considered for the Heisman. We got Harry and we got yeah. Cook, and then uh throwing throwing White and McIntosh down there. Yeah. Um, yeah, Cook, Cook is likely returning our kicks this year. And he can just I'd get, love that. he can get to the outside and run down that sideline, and um, I'd love to see that see that happen. But um, you know, just like Georgia's had all these great quarterback uh, running backs, excuse me, in the past couple of years, but they haven't exactly been in Heisman talk in those Heisman conversations just because of the depth that's here. And um, I personally rather have depth than a trophy. Yeah. Oh yeah, me too. And it's fun. It's RBU around here. You know the history of the running backs with Gurley and Marshall at the same time, Chubb and Michelle at the same time. Just going all the way back to Herschel Walker. Yeah, go I ahead mean, and put out the best I, running back. You know, back. Like, you know Garrison Hurst, Isaiah Crowell, um, Kelly King, Kirby, Caleb King, Caleb King, <laughs> not Kirby. I got Kirby on my mind. Uh, Kirby's always on our mind. No Sean Marino. You know all those guys. It's. Uh, they they like sharing the spotlight. Remember, Chubb and Michelle were best friends. They were roommates, you know. And they look what they did. You know, UGA they have a really good thing going at running back. I don't think DeAndre Swift is going to be in the Heisman conversation, but I do think he's a top three running back along with Travis Etienne and Jonathan Taylor. I think those are the top three running right. backs in college football, especially with Travis Etienne and Jonathan Taylor because they don't have to share that depth. You know, they no, they, they have the field almost to themselves. Especially not Jonathan Taylor. Um, he's going to get every carry. So. Well, even Travis Etienne, it was the uh, the second or third string running back from Clemson. I can't remember his name. It's just on the tip of my Tavian tongue. Tavian Feaster? Right, Feaster. He, he transferred just, to South Carolina. Just transferred to Carolina. What a, what a cock, you know? <laughs> um, we can kind of respect it. It's knowing kind of a dick that move. He, it's his senior year. He wants, to, he wants to make the NFL, so he's got to be in the spotlight. And it's a lot like all these quarterback transfers. But um, personally... If I was him, I think I'd rather stay with Clemson, you know? Yeah, he's going to get touches. He's going to get noticed. He just may end up being a late-round draft pick. If that's Unless there's just something behind the scenes that obviously we're not aware of with coaching right. or maybe there was a disagreement or if he just didn't feel at home there. You know, I, I don't know why you'd want to leave that situation. It is hard to imagine. Just the, the atmosphere that at least the media shows us of, of – yeah. uh, 
college football. We really don't know what's going on through these athletes' heads and what's really going on behind closed doors between the the coaches and the players. So obviously you got to respect the decision to transfer. Personally, I don't know if I'd want to transfer out of that situation. I'd want another ring. You know, we're both predicting Clemson to win. Oh, I don't know, man. Carolina might come in here undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> and win the East. Oh, gosh. A couple other names I want to throw out there is just some dark, dark horse candidates. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, running back for Vanderbilt. He's ridiculous. He's one of those you know top five running backs in the country kind of guys. And then Kelly Bryant, the Clemson transfer to Missouri. He's got he's got weapons around him. He's got a good offense and you know, he's going to be hungry to prove that, you know, he's just as good as Trevor Lawrence because that's obviously in his mind he thinks he's the best. It I think so as well. I think you know that first day when he was told that he wasn't going to be the starter and that and that T-Law was going to take that next start. Um I believe he skipped practice that day and also I think his birthday was that week. And so he was probably a having a week, yeah. he was probably having a pretty tough week and uh and soon after he he realized that you know he didn't want to be there anymore which um i don't know standing behind a star like Trevor Lawrence as tall as he is you know you're going to be in his shadow you're uh you're not going to get to shine as much yeah. and Kelly Bryant i don't believe would make NFL if he didn't transfer and no, so he I'm, has his chance to shine. I'm excited to see what he does uh, at Missouri, especially the fact that Missouri has to come into um, in a Sanford Stadium and play against Georgia. It's going to be really cool for me to see Kelly Bryant in a new uniform. Um, but just in general, all these transfers we're talking about, like a decade ago, that wasn't that wasn't as much as a thing. At least it wasn't it wasn't a uh, put in the media so much. Maybe there were transfers for. For more personal reasons, but yeah, yeah, the and fact the that transfer portal is has become very popular. It's uh, it's one of the stacked most stacked teams in the, yeah, in the right. nation. It's the transfer portal <laughs> at you know? times, um, especially quarterbacks uh, losing jobs and leaving. And you can't you can't completely blame the quarterbacks for leaving. They're trying to make it to the NFL. You know right, that's right. that's part of the reason why they're playing college football is to it's their dream. They're not pro. they're not there quite as much for the education, at least not. Um, at least not as a career standpoint. You know, are you are you going to yell at one of us if uh, you know we get an opportunity to go to a different school that maybe has a better program for our major? Right. You know, we want right. we're trying to to get to our end goal. You know, it's the same thing as that. You know, transferring schools for academic purposes. You know, they're just they're trying to do what's best for their future, and I don't blame them. Um, you know, I you know they're they're chasing their dreams. You, you got to support that. Obviously, the rules with the transfer. I don't completely understand how some people get immediate eligibility. Some people have to wait. Uh, I think a lot of kinks need to be worked out with that. You know, because I don't think Jacob Eason had immediate eligibility at Washington. No, but Justin Fields, here. Tate Martell, Jalen Hurts. Those Kelly are three Bryan. big names. Yeah, Kelly Bryant. Those are three, four, four big names that are getting immediate eligibility. I don't understand completely how that works. Uh, I think that needs to be worked out either make them make them all wait a year or let them all play immediately. Like just you got to pick a either side. that or just. Maybe uh, one suggestion I saw online somewhere was like give them one free transfer, and then if they uh, transfer a second time, then maybe yeah. Right, right, and you know that's not something that we get to decide. Um, you know, there's a lot of conversations out there about changing rules. You know, you got targeting, you got expanding the playoff, which I think we both agree on eighteen playoff. Um, yeah, that's an argument for another day. It is. But, it is. Um, we'll get there. We'll get there. Closer to <laughs> when we see who's left out. How about yeah, that? Yeah, when we when we see the outside looking in, I think we'll have that argument. Um, Definitely. Any, what are some players that uh, we haven't really talked about this year that you want to highlight that are maybe going to be some studs or some um, some players that are not in the spotlight all the time? Maybe some names to look out for this year. Right, I think we touched on most of them. Um, like I said, T. Higgins, Justin Ross. Uh, just really balled out last yeah. year coming in as, as young players with a young quarterback. But just seeing what Justin Ross can do with one hand and, and the speed both of them have after the after the catch, I I like to say tonight they, they combined for over 200 uh, receiving on Georgia Tech. Okay, wow. Yeah, so we got, we got Clemson's new defensive line coming in besides Xavier Thomas. We've got, uh, we got uh, Georgia Tech's new offense. You know, that's going to be – such a fun matchup to watch, but I think uh, on the other side of the ball, Clemson's Clemson's offense is just going to destroy yeah. uh, straight through Tech's defense. I don't think there's going to be anything close there. 
So um, someone I think a lot of people don't know about, but it's going to be pretty good this year. And I'm, I'm going to try to pronounce his name because I don't, I don't know if I can. <laughs> the tight end for Missouri, he's going to be Kelly Bryant's main target. You know, he's a preseason All-American. Albert Oku Gumbunum. I, I should have practiced this before. That's we'll Alberto. call him Alberto, but, you know, he's someone that no one knows. Have any idea? I think I know, you know that's going to help Kelly Bryant a lot. He's one of Kirk Herbstreet's uh, a main players to look out for yeah. as well, which – I don't know how much we agree with uh, with Herb Street's views. I think but, uh, I, sometimes he's a little biased. I think he's very intelligent and has a lot of good to say. But when it comes to the teams of Ohio State and Georgia, I think he's very biased. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're going to be a little biased, too. Yeah, I mean, it, it just happens yeah. with, with football, with everything. On but, the defensive uh, side of the ball, my favorite uh, person to talk about is Grant Delpit, the safety for LSU. For sure. Um in my opinion, the best defensive player in all of college football. He's the captain of that defense. He cha- he's changing his number to seven this year, and then there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of history of good defensive backs coming to LSU wearing the number seven, like the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, Patrick Peterson. They all take pride in that. Um, and you know, Grant Delpit, he's he's good. He's going to be a top ten pick in the draft, and uh, those are two guys. And then along with I, I touched on him a little bit earlier, but Kennedy Brooks, the running back for Oklahoma. Look for him to relieve Hurts a little bit in the passing game and kind of shake it up for Oklahoma's offense. Right, right. Um, I, agree, I agree with those as well. And um, I think overall, overall, it's going to be a great weekend for college football. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think we're going to run through some of the games here quickly. But. Right, and there's not too many huge uh, controversial matchups. Uh, I think I only have one ranked team losing, actually. Who, I know, who, who would that be? I think Northwestern's going to beat Stanford. Okay. So I think other than that, I think all the ranked teams are going to win. I just I looked through it. Well, there's another uh, Clemson transfer coming in. You can talk about yeah. Kelly Bryant. But you got Hunter Johnson yeah. at Northwestern, and that's going to be it's going to be fun because he was such a great recruit coming in, one of the best in the nation, and um, and he just didn't get his playing time because you know sitting behind quarterbacks like Lawrence. Um, but I mean, looking at games that might be closer than we think. Um, why don't you talk about your bold prediction for the Alabama Duke game? Right, I think, I think Duke maybe holds on for the first half. You know, Alabama's missing Dylan Moses, and that's such an immediate thing that just happened. I know the depth they have. I know how they can plug and play, just like you mentioned earlier. Najee Harris um, is suspended for the first half. Right, Alabama does have some suspensions first half, and so I think Duke can hold on. Um, and then second half, they get trampled. <laughs> I think, I just can't say, I think they're going to be trampling Duke from the get-go. Duke, you know, they got to have a new quarterback now. Daniel Jones is gone. He's on the on the Giants now. I just, I don't know, I can't see that happening. I know that's your little bolt. That's your, that's your hot take for the weekend. Right. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm kind of going chalk with these predictions. I, I don't. I don't see any major upsets. I think Northwestern's going to be pretty good this year, and I think they're going to beat a Stanford team that's not amazing. Um, we both think BYU-Utah is going to be a lot closer than what people think. Everyone's thinking Utah's going to come in through and have this amazing season. Well, the, that's the going to be a close game tonight. The just six and a half. I mean, it's a, it's a close game. It's a one-possession one game. Um, but I see BYU prevailing. I see them coming in. Knowing that BYU, that Utah has all this false hype, this uh, this unprecedented false hype of of Utah, um, seemingly out of nowhere, just because they have an easy schedule, and with BYU being the first name on there, um, I just, you know, I see them taking advantage of that and coming in with a chip on their shoulder. Um, another matchup to look at is is game day, yeah. And so the game day matchup of Oregon versus Auburn. Um, yeah, that's that's the biggest matchup of the Arlington day. Well. Um, I guess that's okay. Well, then I take that back. Not every ranked team is going to win, other than Stanford, because right, right. obviously one's going to lose here. It's the only ranked matchup of the of of week one, if I'm not incorrect. I believe that's right. So, At least top, you know, twenty, maybe twenty one through twenty five. But yeah, that's that's the only ranked matchup. That's gonna be a close um, game. Going. And I have to go with Auburn. I think that. Uh, you know, Bo Nix, obviously, it's his first start coming in as a freshman, and he just won the job. But I am personally not a big Justin Herbert fan. I think I think he's a little bit overhyped. I don't I don't see why everyone. I think just because he has the physical tools, you know, I don't I don't think he's amazing. I just I haven't seen it out of him. You know, I just think, I think he hasn't shown up in big moments. I think people see him 
and they want what they, they had the, with Marcus Mariota. Yeah. They, well, I mean, you look at Justin Herbert, and he's like the prototypical quarterback. He is. The way he's built. But he does. I just don't know if he has that it factor um, like Trevor Lawrence does. He has a similar build to Trevor Lawrence, and that's why a lot of people like He does have a ridiculous arm and everything, but I just haven't seen anything out of Justin Herbert. I think Auburn will win in a close, lower-scoring game. I think so, too. Their I defense is too much. I think it's got to be similar to the Clemson-Auburn game a couple years ago when it was uh, like 6-3, to three, I believe, Clemson. It was such a, such a low-scoring game. Yeah, and then Clemson game. had like a late touchdown. Right. It was just a... Uh, it was just it was just really low scoring. I can see that happening as well yeah, with, I, I, with yeah. Auburn. From Auburn's Maryland. defensive line is maybe the best in the country with uh, Derek Brown leading in the middle, number five. He he's going to be the leader now. I just, I think it's going to be too overwhelming. Other than that, I think we we both look at this and kind of see a breeze for most of the ranked teams. I, I don't see anything any. No, there's not going to be anything huge. Um, some fun games, I think. Yeah, uh, that everyone will be watching because they're because they're, they're isolated. They're but... isolated games. It's Sunday night, um, seven thirty. We got Houston at Oklahoma. That's our first taste of Jalen Hurts. Absolutely, that's gonna be fun to watch in Norman. And then you got Notre Dame at Louisville, and so we know how Louisville just fell apart completely. Yeah, the last after, after Lamar Jackson. Jackson. I don't um, see them getting it back on track anytime soon. I don't either. And so I think Ian Book and them will go in there and take care of business as a. As a Georgia fan, and as as watching Notre Dame, we're praying for that. We want them to be as good as possible. Of course, of course, we want to knock off uh, one of the best teams, you know, top ten team in college football, um, especially being in that student section at this game. Yeah, and so it's it's gonna be fun, and especially Notre Dame coming in after that that crushing loss to Clemson um, back in Arlington as well. It's just a, uh, it's just not gonna be close for Louisville. They're not gonna have any chance. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. On either. that Monday night matchup on ESPN and it's just uh it's gonna be a pretty easy week for college football but maybe we'll have some some shake-ups to come in here and talk about next week yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll definitely obviously get we're gonna have a lot more material to talk about you know analyzing these games and everything next week I think that I think we're pretty much wrapped up for the first week right um, um that was this was our inaugural episode a bunch of our preseason predictions you know we know how those go we're going to try to advance the show and uh, get it going and improve it every week. Absolutely. Uh, we appreciate every listen, yeah. of course, uh, whether you're a dog here in Athens or whether you're just a college football nut somewhere else. You know, we're going to try to keep it unbiased, as unbiased as possible, but we're, you know, we got to stick to our roots a little bit. Absolutely. So thank you for watching, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you all.